If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Hey, let's turn over there tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, I want to, uh, I want to go through some verses of Scripture to just uh, remind you of how wonderful this is, this language that you speak. This language of the Spirit is a wonderful language. And it's something that we have to be diligent to practice in our life. Something that we have to be diligent to do to be a friend of this. If we are spirit-filled believers, spirit-filled meaning that we are baptized with the Holy Spirit and we speak in other, other tongues, um, then there, there really is just one definition of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All right? There really is just one definition. And as a matter of fact, is it okay if we study that a little bit tonight? Yeah. All right? Yeah. Just so you, you can know uh, what it is. Uh, what the, and, and we're just going to simply look at what the Bible says. I think that's probably the best place to go to. Uh, being in ministry and church this many years, I found that the Bible really is the best place to go to for the answers. Now, there are all kinds of opinions about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. But let's just see what the Scripture says about it. Can we do that? Yeah. All right. Amen. We're going to hold on 1 Corinthians 14. Let's go over to Luke for a moment. Now, we're going to go over just some very basic things tonight. But it's good to revisit these things from time to time. Um, You can find all of the early steps of Christian uh, life in the 316s. It's really cool. John 316, we all know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I, I want you to go to Luke 316. Did I tell you that already? John 316 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. There is our, that's the initial step of faith into this Christian life. Then Matthew 3.16 talks about Jesus came up out of the water and the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. That has to do with water baptism, which is a very necessary step in your walk of faith on this earth. And then Luke 3.16 has to do with your Holy Ghost baptism. Isn't that interesting? John 3.16, Matthew 3.16, and Luke 3.16 talk about the three primary steps of the Christian life. Um, I don't think that was an accident. That could not have been an accident. It turned out like that. Maybe so, but it was a really cool accident. John, uh, Luke 3.16, John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, this is the first mention of being baptized with the Holy Spirit. First mention ever, all right? So I wanted to take us to the very first place that is mentioned. It was mentioned by John the Baptist, the bridge prophet between the Old and the New Testament, the one who was to prepare the way of the Lord, right? He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And he talks about him coming, the, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit with fire. Now, he is talking about none other than Jesus, right? So he's telling us that Jesus is going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
Now, let's go over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 and verse 4. Steve, I told you we were going to be in 1 Corinthians 14, then I just went off everywhere else but, didn't I? Acts chapter 1 and verse 4 says this, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Interesting. So John says Jesus is is coming, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit with the fire. And then Jesus, after he's raised from the dead, he's, he's talking to his disciples, giving them his last words, and he says, Now go and wait for the promise of the Father, for you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. All right? So we have John the Baptist, the bridge prophet, mentioning it. And now we have Jesus Christ himself using this same term. Now we find ourselves... Over in Acts chapter 2, let's look at Acts chapter 2 for a moment. Verse 1, Jesus said, go and wait. Now, this is what they were waiting for. And when the day of Pentecost, now Jesus has already risen from, uh, uh, ascended up to heaven, seated at the right hand of God at this point. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That is, all those that were believers at that time, the disciples being included. All right, verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So we see three things that happened here in Acts chapter 2. One, there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind that filled all the house where they were sitting. Anybody ever been near a tornado huh, and heard that wind, right? And I think it was, it's been properly um, uh, identified in sounding like a train. We had one hit not too far from our house, our, my parents' house out in West Texas. They were out of town doing ministry, and Heather and I and Jennifer were at my parents' house on a Sunday afternoon, March, May 28, 1995 is when that was. Wow, that's been a long time ago. And a tornado hit our city, and the, all the north windows in mom and dad's house suddenly just blew in. And hail and tree limbs were coming flying in the house, and it really sounded like a locomotive train coming through the house. One of the scariest experiences of my life. This rushing mighty wind filled this whole house where they were sitting. And then the second thing was that there appeared unto them Divided tongues of the fire, and it sat up on each of them. So apparently there was some kind of visual of a flame upon them. And the third thing was that they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay? So at this point, we could see, we could possibly, if we stopped right here, then we'd say, well, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has three evidences to it. Right? I mean, if we were to stop right here, we'd say, okay, there's a rushing mighty wind, there's divided tongues of fire, and they're speaking in tongues. But then we continue to go further in Scripture. Now go over to Acts chapter 10. Now this, what happened right here in Acts chapter 2, where they were filled with the Spirit, and at, by this happening, by this miracle event, 3,000 people were added to the church. All right? Now let me say this 
that the Bible clearly teaches us here that there were only Jews here at this time that were receiving the promise of the Father. And it wasn't until Acts chapter 10 that people like us started getting in on the deal. And by, uh, by this man named Cornelius, which we have much to say about, because this is the precedent-setting moment for Gentiles coming in by faith. And this was a really wonderful experience that he had this angelic visitation from God. Cornelius had this angelic visitation from God who, came, who told him, send men to Joppa and for a guy named Peter, he'll come and tell you words by which you and all your house will be saved. All right? Now, what the Bible has to say about Cornelius is that he was a very good man. He was a devout man. He was one who feared God with all of his house. He um, gave generously to the poor. And he prayed to God always. There was just one problem. He wasn't saved. Boy, he looked saved. He sounded saved. He gave like he was saved. But the problem was he had not heard the gospel. Only the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ can save a man. Yes. Hallelujah. Only the gospel can save. The works cannot save us. Amen. And all those, those are all very good works. He still would not, would not on the day of judgment have been able to qualify for heaven. Because these were all his righteousness, his works. But the gospel saves a man on the inside, born all over again. And that's what qualifies us to be children of God, to the right to become sons of God for as many as receive Jesus, who believe on his name. Amen? Now, Acts chapter 10, verse 43. I don't mean to get too sidetracked here, but it's, this is a great, I just love this story. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. To him, now this is Peter. He has come to Cornelius' house, and he's given this whole history, and, and he's, he's leading up to this moment preaching about Jesus. And he says, to him, all the prophets witness that through his name, Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. What a great relief this must have been to Cornelius and all them, knowing that they were on the outside and that Israel, the nation of Israel, was the one that was blessed. But look what this says. The moment he said, whoever believes, all of their hearts said, yeah, cool, we get on the deal. And look what happened in verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Interesting. They hear the gospel, and then the Holy Spirit falls on them. And those of the circumcision, uh, verse 40, yeah, uh, who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. What gift is that? What had happened in Acts chapter 2? And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. Let's go to 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. That's it. Now, at Cornelius' house, we have no record of a rushing mighty wind, and we have no record of divided tongues as a fire that sat upon each of them. The only thing that we have at Cornelius' house that's happening is that they all speak with tongues. All right? It's one of the three things that happened in Acts chapter 2. Now go to Acts 11. The beautiful thing about the Scriptures is that they will interpret themselves. They'll answer the questions themselves over time. But you have to be diligent to study to show yourself approved. Amen? You have to be, be diligent to study the Scriptures at, at, at length. Amen. I need to go to Acts chapter 11. Now, over in Acts chapter 11, Peter is giving... Uh, Peter is giving... 
testimony to what happened because these Jews started contending with him about him being in this Gentile's house. So they got a problem with this. So he's having to answer for himself and his other guys that were with him. Now let's look at verse, verse 13. And he told us how he had seen an angel. He's telling them about Cornelius, what, he had, what Cornelius had told him. And he, Cornelius, that is, uh, told us that he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Hallelujah. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. He fell on them as upon us in the beginning. Well, what was the similarity again? There's only one similarity between those three things. There, he didn't say anything about the rushing mighty wind, the divided tongues of fire, but that tongues is the only like thing. As upon us the beginning. Then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Peter brings it all to a culmination of this whole truth. He, he puts two and two together. He sees them speak in tongues. He says, this is what Jesus was talking about. This is it. Because they had those three things where he was, but, but, but when the Lord defined it to one thing in Cornelius' house, then he said, ah, that's what the baptism of the Spirit is. We see this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not many things. The Bible teaches us that it's one thing. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the evidence of speaking in other tongues. There is, there is salvation, there is water baptism, and there's Holy Ghost baptism. That is where you allow the Spirit of God to give you the utterance. Hallelujah. Now, how important is this for the believer? How important is this for the believer? Well, Mark chapter 16, we can turn there. Mark chapter 16, Jesus tells his disciples, and ultimately he's telling all of us here. Let's look at 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Here we go. Now, I want you to notice something here. He didn't say these signs will follow people in full-time ministry. These signs will follow worldwide evangelists. Popular evan- this, these signs will follow believers. Are there any believers here tonight? Can I just see a show of hands of any believers in this house tonight? Okay, okay. Now, this is what Jesus says. This is what he says follows believers, all right? This will, right now, you need to start checking your faith system, all right? These signs follow believers. In my name, there's the power, there's the authority. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. 
Now, signs follow believers. Believers don't follow signs. Amen. Signs follow believers. These are the things that happen in a believer's life. Why? So that we can know, first and foremost, the very first thing he said is that you have authority over the devil. In my name, they'll cast out devils. That's the believer's authority. Amen. Amen. They will speak in new tongues. That's the believer's authority. For a Christian, for a spirit-filled Christian, a spirit-baptized Christian to ever, to ever, 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 ever question their relationship with God and yet speak in tongues is the silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. Now, tongues is not required for you to be a believer, but tongues is a sign that follows the believer. Yeah. Yeah. So if ever the devil comes, and he will, and he will begin to say things like he did to Jesus, if you are a son of God. If you are really a child of God, if you're really saved, one of the greatest things you can do that moment is open your mouth and start praying in tongues. Yep. Prove that. Because only believers can pray in new tongues. That's what Jesus said. These signs follow believers. Now, I want you to look at this for a moment. Well, Pastor Eric, maybe that means that they can learn another language like Spanish. Or maybe it means they'll be bilingual. I know lots of believers that are not bilingual. And I know lots of believers that don't speak in new tongues. Now look at this. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just tapping on the word tongues here for the Greek, and I want you to listen to this. The tongue, by implication, a language... By implication, a language, specifically one naturally unacquired. So it ain't what you can learn in a classroom. It's not what mom and dad can teach you because you cannot acquire it in the natural. This is a tongue that is taught by the Spirit. It's actually uttered by the Spirit. You simply just allow Him, by your will, to have your voice. By your will, to have your voice. Amen? And we've talked about this before, but I want to remind you again that praying in the Holy Spirit is going to make your your mind will not get anything from it. It just won't. Your mind is not supposed to. Paul said, my mind's unfruitful when I'm praying in the Spirit. But it's hard for us to grasp that sometimes because we want to be engaged in what we're doing. And when you speak, as I'm speaking to you, my mind can't wander while I'm speaking to you. It has to be thinking about what I'm saying. But see, when the Spirit gives you utterance, your mind is not in control of that. The Spirit's given the utterance, and that's why, as a Spirit-filled believer, your mind wanders when you pray in tongues. Right? And what what do we do a lot of times? We feel bad about it. We feel bad because our minds wander. We're not spiritual enough. Like your mind is a spirit. You've you're, you got too much expectation on your mind. Your mind, Paul said, my mind's un, unfruitful, right? So when I'm praying in tongues and my mind starts wondering, I go, there he is. Oh, glory to God. The Spirit of God must be praying because my mind's checked out right now. I mean, my mind just starts going, you know, 
thinking about other things, right? I mean, that ought to be proof to us that the Spirit is giving us the utterance. Because if we're making it up, we have to be engaged with our mind to be making up those words. But the moment the mind wanders, you realize, oh, I'm not in on this deal. <laughs> oh, man, that's better than your amen. But thank you, Paris. I love this. How important is this for us as believers then? It's a sign that follows us. But it follows believers. You have to believe that this is for you. You have to believe that this is important. The church has bought a lie today. The church is trying to get it out of the church so that we don't offend anybody. So that we don't bother people. You know, we don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. Hey, I know. I know what you're talking about. I've been in church. I had, I had a, uh, I still do have him. Still have an uncle, and uh, we were actually raised together. We we're only two years apart, and so we were, we were buddies growing up. But he was scared to death to come to our little Pentecostal church there in southern Oklahoma because anything could happen, man. I mean, it was a wild little place. And he's like, dude, that place scares the fire out of me. He's church Christ boy, so you can imagine. I mean, just having a guitar there was freaking him out. But, but man, when they went to howling and hollering and, you know, and I mean, it was crazy. Y'all run it. Jericho March every other week, you know, and people just, anything could happen. All right? I, pre- I appreciate my Pentecostal love. I don't appreciate ignorance, but I appreciate people who hunger for the things of God and hunger for the Spirit of God. I love that. I love that. I've experienced wonderful things in those, in those times. But... But when, it's, when things are out of order, when things are out of order, then it ceases to, to be able to accomplish its purpose. Because God is not a God of disorder and chaos. He's not the author of confusion. So we can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We can speak in other tongues and we can have all these marvelous things happening in our lives. But there must be order to this because God is a God of order. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, because if it's out of order, how many of you know, everybody in the room kind of knows, don't they? But nobody really says anything. Don't leave me up here by myself. You know what I'm talking about. And it's like, man, this is awkward. Everybody feels awkward. Hey, listen. When the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is at work, hmm? When the Holy Spirit is at work, the Bible, oh, let's go. Let's just go to 1 Corinthians 14. We just need to walk through it. Now, I'm going to just be as practical about this as I know how on the practical side, but we also have to understand that the Holy Spirit cannot just be defined to practical terms <laughs> because he's, he's pretty wild. Kind of like when they were trying to describe Aslan in Narnia. He sounds wild. Sounds like a wild. And and one of the one of the Narnians said, Yeah, he is wild. He's not a tame lion, but he's good. God is not tame, but he's good. He can be trusted. Follow after. Charity. Let's go to the New King James Version if we could. I'm not Dr. Holler. I can't really. Uh, uh, verse 1, 1 Corinthians 14, 1. 
Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Let's stop there for a moment. Now I want you to notice something that's really cool about the, what this teaches us about spiritual gifts. There's one caveat to spiritual gifts. And it's not that you've got to have a whole truckload of faith. It says desire them. Just a desire for the spiritual gifts. See, God does not make this difficult. He doesn't make this difficult. He longs to pour his gifts out on us. And if you just point that heart of desire to it, he'll meet you there. All you've got to do is desire, especially that you may prophesy. Now let's go. Verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. Wow. Okay. Let's take that in for just a moment. Let's think about what Paul just said. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you pray in tongues, you are not speaking to men, you are speaking to All right. Let's make sure that we understand that it's an upward prayer, not an outward proclamation. Upward prayer. Now watch. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. That's the wild side of God. He speaks mysteries. This is so good. Verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to who? To men. So this this teaches us when we pray in the Spirit, that we pray to God, and when we prophesy, we speak to men. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Is this, you're getting this, all right? But he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. So when, in, when I'm praying in the Spirit and I'm speaking to God, it's doing something to me personally. Yeah. It's building me up. That's what edify means, to build up. Right? To strengthened. That's so good. But he who prophesies builds, strengthens the church. Verse 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Now right there, the Apostle Paul, if, if it's true that tongues are for some and tongues are not for some, then it's useless for him to say this. Right? But he is speaking, and he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, which means that all can speak with tongues. But even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. Wow. Does that mean that a prophet, a prophet is, is greater than the guy who speaks in tongues? Unless, indeed, he interprets that the church may receive edification. Oh, so this has to do with that gift being expressed in the church. Because if I'm standing in church and I'm praying in tongues, there's very little effect for you. Except hearing in your mind, yabba-dabba-doo. Right? But he who prophesies is greater. That is, he has greater effect because men can understand what he's saying. Everybody can receive something from that. It says unless he interprets. So if you're able to interpret that tongue, then everybody can understand you. You can have just as much effect as the prophet. Now watch. That the church may receive edification. The whole point of of this, of the outward 
speaking in tongues or the prophesying is to build the church. God's whole aim is at the church. His love and his affection for the church. Hallelujah. His care and his nurturing for the church. His building for the church. His encouraging for the church. His exhortation for his body. Hallelujah. Verse 6. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? That's the only way that I'm going to profit you is by saying something that you can understand. But if I'm speaking to tongues to you, it's not, you're not going to get anything out of that. All right? Verse 7. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet, trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? Anybody in the military here? There was a certain sound on that trumpet for Reveille, wasn't there? There's a certain sound for taps. We know somebody's dead when we hear Right? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain Okay, so likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking, here we go, into the air. I do not want my prayer language defined as speaking into the air. Here we go. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. That is, they all, they all serve a purpose for communication. Verse 11. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language... I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks shall be a foreigner to me. When I go to India, and they start talking Tamil, that's their tongue there, Tamil, T-A-M-I-L, I suddenly realize I'm in a foreign land. Besides all the poverty and the trash and the smell, the, the tongue separates me from them at that moment. Want to hear that pastor get on his phone? Calling his brother. That's exactly what it sounds like to me. I go, how can mean so many things? You have two syllables. That's what it sounds like. And so I sit back in the back seat and I just mock him. It's fun. He laughs, thinks it's funny. I said, did I say anything? Because I sounded exactly like you. I had to say something. I become a foreigner to him. Amen. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification for the church that you seek to excel. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to seek to excel in the spiritual gifts. We need to to desire these things and let these things be friends to us. Become people who will allow God to let his gifts flow through you. Amen. But let it be for this purpose. Look how he keeps coming back to this. For the edification of God the church that you seek to excel. Not so that others can look at you and go, man, that guy is very spiritual. He is very religious. That's what me and Heather get called a lot. But some, some family that doesn't really know, they don't live the church life, you know, they go, Eric and Heather are very religious. And I say, please don't say, please don't define me like that. All right, verse 13. Therefore, let him... That's all they know, though. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. 
how often that happens. Pray that he may enter. Seems like somebody else always interprets the tongue. I'm just, just a thought. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, there it is, but my understanding is duh. <laughs> right? If I pray in a tongue, Paul tells us what's happening here. This is really powerful. This is why we, we, we this is like total yielding to God right here. My spirit prays. Wow. What a miracle that is. If I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but my mind is out of the deal. My mind is unfruitful. All right, look at this. What is the conclusion then? Is this helping you guys? What is the conclusion then? I will. Here it is. The key word in this whole verse that we're going to see is the word will. I will because God will not exceed the boundaries of your free will. I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. And I will also sing with the understanding. All right? There's, there's, a, there's two great thoughts about will. That is that I have to want to do this and I have to choose to do this. But it's also saying I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I will do it. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, look at this. What happens when you pray in tongues for the edification of the church? You bless with the Spirit. Now watch. How will he who occupies the place of the uninformed, that is, who can't understand what you're saying, say amen at your what? Giving of thanks, since he doesn't understand what you say. Well, Paul, didn't you just say he was giving thanks? That's what he said. How can he understand what you're saying at your giving of thanks? How can he say amen at that if he doesn't understand it? So Paul, just he's really teaching us some really deep things about this, this language. One is the prayer language, uh, we, first it's to God, because that's who you're saying thank you to apparently, right? At your giving of thanks. Man, I'd love to hear interpretation sound something like that. Yeah, to God. Praying in the, Okay, now watch. For you indeed give thanks well. What he's saying is, man, you know how to pray in tongues. Boy, do you do it a long time. You do it a lot. You give thanks well. But the other's not edified. You love to hear yourself speak in tongues. That's what he's saying. And nobody else is getting anything out of it. Verse 18. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Wow. There's a challenge. <laughs> Yet in the church, here we go. Now notice, notice what he just said. Where does he speak in tongues more than them all? Where does he speak in tongues more than them all? It seems like it's a separate place than what he's about to say here in 19, isn't it? Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. 10,000 words in a tongue is what he just said. It will not teach you anything. I can teach you in five words what I cannot do in 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice... Be babes, but under, in understanding, be mature. All right? Because I'm telling you, I grew up under the, under the 
the thinking and the, 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 the moving of the Spirit as, oh, I couldn't help it. The Spirit just came over me. <laughs> All right? You can help it. You absolutely can help it. Paul is teaching you can help it. All right? Quit being a baby. What does a baby do? The baby pees on itself. It can't help that. But somewhere along the way, you learn not to do that. You learn self-control. Right? Okay. Verse 21. In the law it is written. Now now he's going to reference Isaiah chapter 28. With other men, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people. And yet for all that, they will not hear me, says the Lord. All right? He says, I will speak. What he's saying is that Israel is going to go into captivity. And men of other nations and other tongues are going to take them in. And still, even yet for this, they still won't hear me. My children, even though they're with these other, don't, you ever, you remember reading the book of Judges? If you ever want to be frustrated, read that book. Because the Lord will raise up a deliverer, man, things will be good. And then it says over and over, but the children of Israel did evil on the side of the Lord. And so then they went into captivity. And then God raised up another deliverer because they cried out to God again. I mean, it was just over and over and over and over and over again. He says they're going to be delivered to these men of other tongues and where they are, they are victims to these, to these guys because there's no way they can communicate to them. And they're, he says, but yet. But then Paul takes that verse out of Isaiah. He's talking about pulling something out of context. It looks like it's out of context. I'm not going to accuse the apostle Paul of that, though. Then he says, he pulls Isaiah 28, 11 right into this 1 Corinthians 14 says, therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe. How did you draw that conclusion? How did you make that verse say, conclude this in the New Testament? By the Spirit. The Spirit showed us the the actual, see the word is so multidimensional. And it's an eternal word. So what meant one thing back there means something different here. Here he says, therefore, tongues are for a sign, look, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. Well, we're an evangelistic church. That's why we don't speak in tongues. <laughs> Hang on. Tongues are a sign for the unbeliever. <laughs> we're an evangelistic church, so we don't speak in tongues. But tongues are a sign for the unbeliever. Yes, yeah, but, we're, but we, yeah. But we know better. I guess that's what they conclude. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Verse 23. Therefore, if the whole church... Here we go. We're going to get into some fun stuff right now. If the whole church comes together in one place, just like right here, and all speak with tongues... And there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? If the whole church comes together and all speak with tongues, will they that are uninformed or unbelievers come in and say, are you not out of your mind? Let's hold that thought for a second. In Acts chapter 2, 120 of them were gathered there, and the Bible says, and they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, right? And it says that 3,000 people were saved. They weren't saying they were mad. Well, they did say they were drunk, but they all saw it as a sign from God. What's the difference? Is Paul saying that what happened in Acts chapter 2 was not authentic and real? 
He can't be saying that. So we got to keep reading the scriptures. Because if we stop right there, we'll go, boy, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to believe. Verse 24. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all. Okay, hang on a second. There's a problem here. We're drawing a conclusion a lot of times by reading these two verses. And the conclusion is we add the words at once to both of these things. We add the words at once to both of these things. Did everybody assume that when he said all come together and pray in the tongues that he was saying at once? Did everybody here assume that? Come on, help me out here. Huh? Then you have to assume if it's at once was in 23, then at once is in 24. Are you telling me that if all are prophesying at once, it's going to be perfectly understood? That the people that are uninformed are going to come in and everybody is standing up proclaiming prophesying at the same time? That's going to make sense to them? The words at once are not there. The problem with it was is that these guys were doing like this. Stand up, David. Yeah, but 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 speak in tongues. He says down. She stands up. She stands up. She speaks in tongues. She stands up. She speaks in tongues. He stands up. He speaks in tongues. It is one after the other, 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 speaking in tongues, speaking in tongues, no interpretation, nothing going on. Everybody's just getting their tongue out. If I'm sitting in that church, I am going to say, Are these not all mad? But if all are prophesying in the place, the prophets are speaking and they're standing up prophesying the word of God. There's no confusion when there's one at a time. Are you hearing me? When you're prophesying. Just get the words at once out of your head that clears it all up because it's not even there. Amen. Let's continue. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed and so falling down on his face he will Worship God and report that God is truly among you. What a great testimony. Verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done. Why? He keeps bringing this right back to the point. For edification, not so that you can just be heard. I got a word. I got something to say. Why? Why do you have something to say? Because if it's not for edification, it ain't welcome. Verse 27. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or three at the most. Boom. There it is. Now Paul begins to put order to their chaos. Now they're zealous, and he praised them for that, but he said, hey, Let's calm it down. Two or three at most. All right? Let there be two. Each in turn, each in turn, and let one interpret. All right? Man, he made it simple, didn't he? He brought a practical thing to do with a supernatural gift. Imagine that. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church. And let him speak to himself and to God. Isn't this wonderful? 
Verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. All right? Verse 31, for you can all prophesy. Wow, there's a great, there's a great thought there too. I wish you all spoke with tongues, and then he tells us you can all prophesy. You know, everybody, all of you right here can prophesy as believers. Why don't you just say that? Just say, I can prophesy. I can. You can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Here's the point of it, for people to learn and to be encouraged. So good. Verse 32, and the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches, including One Cause Church in McKinney, Texas, on Wednesday night. But of, uh, as in all the churches of the saints, I'm sorry. Verse 34, let your women, uh-oh. Then he just throw this, throws this one in there. Let your women keep silent in the churches. For they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. Why, is the, why in the world is Paul throwing this in there all of a sudden? Because the women were disturbing their services at that time. And he's dealing with problems here that were going on in that Corinthian church. Zealous women who were zealous to learn things and yet didn't know how to be educated. They weren't educated, so they didn't know how to act in church. They didn't know how to act in church. Women, see, we're, we're put it, we bring this to our standard and go, why would he say that? I mean, I mean our women are, today are, they've got manners. They've got educate, they have education, right? We know that he's not saying all women of all time because otherwise Acts chapter 2 can't be right. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Come on. Right? So he, he can't be speaking against that. What Paul was having a problem with is the women in that day were a little bit wild. They were like children. They didn't have any education. They didn't have any learning. So they were being disruptive to the services. So let them keep silent. As a matter of fact, even over in, oh, later on in Timothy, he says, let them learn in silence. The key is let. I mean, it was revolutionary to even let a woman sit and learn something because it was all for me. Because religion always oppresses women. Always. It always attacks the woman. Who did Eve, who did the devil talk to first? The woman. Right. And his seed, called religion, does it to this day. Just acts like their daddy. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in church. Let's just let that sit for, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Verse 36, or did, <laughs> or did the word of God come originally from you, or was it only, that, only you that it reached? Verse 37, if anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you, here we go. Paul's about to tell us something very important. This is not my opinion. This is not how I think things ought to go. Let him who is a prophet or spiritual, people love to label themselves as those things, let him acknowledge that the things I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Well, I couldn't help it. 
The Spirit of God, no, 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 he didn't. He didn't contradict himself. The Spirit of God never does that. You could help it, you're just immature. And I love you. I'm not talking to any of you here, I'm talking about the people that didn't come to church tonight. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet, now what? Let's go to verse 38. If anyone is ignorant, then don't you love this? Let him be ignorant. That is, if he's not going to listen to what I just said, if he's not going to receive what I just said as a commandment of the Lord, then let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. And yet, they do it. Matter of fact, I see it more and more, even in, even in the spirit-filled settings. Not just in the Baptist churches who take the, their, the word Baptist off to kind of confuse us a little bit. <laughs> and say that they're non-denominational. We want to look like that crazy Holy Ghost church. we with the name and we'll do the music. But that tongues thing, that still ain't, mm-mm. It's got to be the name and the music. That's, that must be what... That must be why that, 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 those tongue talkers are blowing up all over the world. The spirit-filled churches today are the fastest growing and largest churches in the world. There was, a one time, there was one time that wasn't true, but man, they're the largest. Joel Osteen's church has 49,000 members. <laughs> that, wow. His dad had 6,000, and that was like, wow, that's like, it was one of the largest churches at that time. Do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Is that the last verse? We did it. We went all the way through 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Let all things be done decently and in order. So what's decently and in order? Decently and in order is what we learn in Acts chapter 2 when we all can corporately pray in other tongues. That's decently in order. Decently in an order is when, if somebody has a tongue, that they stand and deliver the tongue with an interpretation, and two or three at most. And can we get the interpretation right? Can we truly pray about the interpretation? Ladies and gentlemen, I want to see the gifts flowing in our body. I long for it. I want to see it more and more. But I don't want to see it done the same old way I've seen since I was this tall. We've got to follow what the scripture says. We have to believe the Bible and receive these as the commandments of the Lord. I want to see prophesying. We do. But I think that there's, there can be more of this. I think there can be more of this. If God's people will just be responsible to do it God's way. Amen. If we do it God's way, we do it the right way. We do it according to the scripture, we do it the right way. I love to hear somebody speak in a tongue, but I certainly want to hear their interpretation. And that interpretation needs to sound like... He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. It doesn't make any sense for the tongue to be directed to God, and then when they give the interpretation to that tongue, that is to God, to go, my children. <laughs> that's not the interpretation to the tongue. Now, that's a prophecy. I don't doubt that that can be a prophecy because the Scripture teaches that the prophecy is to men. But the tongue is to God. It only stands to Am I just being too logical and too simple here? 
To think that the interpretation to the tongue from men to God ought to be still from man to God? Amen. Well, that, that felt like that went over real well just now. But I think we're all thinking about how we've heard it all our lives. Amen. And why? I don't know about you. It ticks me off a little bit. Because I feel like I've been robbed somewhat of what the Bible teaches how this ought to be. And the truth is, if it's not going to be that way, it ain't welcome here. How about that? It's just not welcome here. We're going to do it his way. We're not going to do it. Amen. But I want you to desire spiritual gifts. And I pray that you desire these things. And I pray that you desire to grow in these things. I pray that you desire to grow in these things. Because this is a sign that follows believers. Ladies and gentlemen, that means we activate this thing. By our will, as Paul teaches, we activate this thing. And in this church, you are welcome to activate the things of the Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Good. I'm not expecting you to be perfect. Please understand that. I'm not expecting anybody to be perfect because we grow in these things. But I do expect you, if, if it's not done right, to be able to receive the correction. Amen. And I will correct. I will do it because I'm concerned about you and I'm concerned about this church receiving edification as Paul continually points us to. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.